Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, Garima Shah, president of Billergenie. Billergenie is a SaaS company that helps companies get paid faster on their accounts payable. And with that, here's my interview with Grima. Good morning, Grima. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Grima Shah, president of Billergenie. Tell us about Billergenie. Sure. So Billergenie is an automated accounts receivable software, which is a whole lot of words that don't mean a lot to most people. Um, oh, you just put a bunch of them to sleep, but continue. Yes, I know. It's difficult. It's difficult. Like, I mean, it's not as sexy as talking about, I don't know, accounts payable, <laughs> but accounts receivable. Wow. Is- wow. We just, we just dove into accounting geek territory. Like, wow. <laughs> oh no, that's not as, that's not as entertaining as talking about AP. Oh, it certainly is not. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, accounts receivable automation. Really, what we're doing is we're making it simpler for businesses to send, remind, and collect on all of their invoices. So basically, most businesses right now have a super manual process. 90% of the businesses in the world handle accounts receivable manually, which is crazy because we're in this digital age of automation. And it's just insane that people still have to use one system for accounting, one system for collecting payments. Someone else is kind of sitting in the back on the computer and sending out invoices via email or calling people. And so we really automate that entire process and make it as simple as one click of a button. And we integrate all of those systems together with the business's current workflow. Excellent. Okay. So that made it sound a lot better. All right. So (laughs) let's, um, all right. So basically let's talk about the origin of the company. So what led to the creation of Bill or Genie? Sure. So actually that's all my partner, Tom. So he started the company. Both of us come from payments and we had been in the payment space for forever. We'd known each other for a long time and he had a payments sales organization. And he found that a lot of his clients were in the B2B space and were having trouble using his payment solution because they really wanted to use their accounting software and have it reconcile into their accounting software. And he tried a lot of these different solutions that are on the market, various plugins, different types of things that could maybe work with an accounting software and couple it with a payment software or a soft payment processing company. And it just didn't work as well as he expected because he's So a what year engineer. was this out of curiosity? 2018. What? Yeah. Like the know, integrations crazy. were that week in 2018? They're still that week. I mean, oh my God. I know it's crazy, dude. We'll talk well, to customers all the time who tell us that they're like, oh, yeah, we have five people who do this in our office because we need that many people to create invoices. And so that let's many just people stop for a second and talk about why this is, right? So let, let's think about this. So what are the big accounting systems that you encounter without us like, you know, giving them black eyes in this conversation? Sure. Like, well, QuickBooks, QuickBooks Desktop, QuickBooks Online, Xero, FreshBooks, Sage, and they're all amazing accounting systems. But the problem is that they do everything for accounting, right? So they do the GL, they do the P&L, they do, you know, the chart yeah. of accounts, they do all of those things. They can't be hyper-focused on one specific process, which is accounts receivable. So no. the idea of, hey, I need to just send an invoice and I need to be able to collect on that invoice and I need to, without double keying, so normally people get their payments report from whoever they're using processing payments with, then they have to go back into QuickBooks and say, yep, this person paid me, this is how much, this is the date that they paid me. Oh, they didn't pay me. Hold on, let me go ahead and call them. Let me send another email. That's the process that they're using today. And it's not that the accounting softwares are bad or that the payment processors are bad. It's simply that they're all kind of in these silos and there's nobody who's putting them all together. And so we are kind of Switzerland. We're agnostic on both sides. We work with all of the accounting firms. We work with all of 
We are Switzerland. Well done. <laughs> yeah. So we're, you know, we work with all the different accounting software, we work with all the different payment processors. And we say, look, we don't care who you use on both sides or what your workflow is, but we're going to make it simple. So you don't need to do any manual data entry or anything else. So basically the real, the real issue doesn't so much come down to when some of these platforms were built, because I mean, some of these, let's, let's be fair, let's be honest. Some of these platforms were built in the maybe early AWS phase, maybe you know pre that. So there's there's not it's not quite legacy, but it's not exactly fresh in, in parlance right now. So it's not like they engineered this like a lot of them are, where you're building the application layer, then the API layer, and then you're building your thing over top. So it's not quite as nimble as some other ones. But at the end of the day, this really comes down to an argument between hyperfocus versus uh, broad market approach. Absolutely. Okay. And, so and that's one hundred percent what we are. I'm sorry. No, no. That's one hundred percent where we are, and that's where we see that. If you look at like these companies are great and you know, you're right about when they come up, but if you look at some of the newer accounting platforms like Zero, they mm -hmm. are much newer, they are nimble. So it's not necessarily about them not being nimble or not having the tech. It's just that they've got to focus on actually the accounting for the business. Yeah, yeah you can't you can't be the best at everything. It's, you know, it's the old, uh, well, I can better term, I like the reflection referred to as the Microsoft rule. Everything's going to suck 20%, but it covers 80% of the need, even though there's better options everywhere else for almost everything, except for Excel still. But what do you get? <laughs> so, all right. So fair enough. So your, your partner found this problem, said, oh my God, there's got to be a better way as everybody always does. What was the journey? Tell me about what happened next. So he's a computer engineer by trade. So he decided, well, you know, I think I can probably build it. So we he hired our now CSO and the two of them came together and started building it. And it's funny because it started as a, in 2019 was beta and it started as an acquisition tool. So it was a loss leader. We were saying, hey, or he was saying, take Biller Genie for free so I can get your payments. So I can acquire the payments revenue. Here's Biller yeah. Genie for free. I want the payments revenue. And then as we were talking at the end of 2019, we started realizing that we were alienating our partners because we partner with a lot of banks. We partner with a mm -hmm. lot of payment providers. We partner with a lot of these accounting firms themselves. And if we're cannibalizing their revenue by saying we want the payments revenue, they're not going to do business with us, which is yeah. when we made the change to being decoupling ourselves completely from payments and saying, look, we're not a payments company. We are a true SaaS company. We're a standalone SaaS provider that really is there to supercharge or integrate with all of these different partners and make their journeys easier and better. And so that's who we are today. And that's what our journey has been. And we just uh, launched this way as a true SaaS solution in January of this year. So let's take people through in, in, in layman's parlance, like what this means. So originally you were monetizing off a percentage of the overall payments, just like say a Stripe or something to that effect, right? Exactly. Right. And of course, the problem is if you want Stripe or the banks or whoever it is to resell your product, that's not going to happen, right? It's like, so you're going you're gonna to eat my lunch and you want me to give you other people's lunches? I think not. So you moved over to SaaS. So tell me about your billing model now. Sure. So we charge a monthly fee plus a percentage only when we collect on those invoices and we can collect through whatever mechanism. So whether it's utilizing one of our ACH partners, our credit card partners, we, we're open to any of those, but we charge based upon a percentage of that. So for example, our average client does between 70 to $100,000 mm -hmm. a month in revenue or invoicing. And a client that does $100,000 a month would only pay $550 for Bill or GD in the entire month. Mm -hmm. And we find that that's such a huge savings for them because the average cost of an invoice, according to the Wall Street Journal, is between 16 to $38 to process a single invoice manually. So most of these customers who, even if they're I'm doing- still processing that number. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, it's oh, 16 Jesus. to $38 because you've got at least one to two FTEs. You've got the 
people who are, you've got duplicate entries that aren't coming, you've got collections. So you've got all, you've got over in the United States before COVID, we had over $3 trillion in unpaid and overdue invoices in the B2B sector. So, so post COVID, how big that number yet? Not even sure yet, eight, but it's gotta be huge. It's gotta be huge. So, you so know, more we than the, pay more faster. than most economies, more than most economies. That's more how than much the money stimulus. Yeah, more than the stimulus package. <laughs> That's how much was outstanding. Okay. Right. Wow. So our product, if we get someone, we get someone paid on average, we get them paid 15 days faster. We collect, we only have 40% remaining of their outstanding. So we collect 60% of their outstanding, no matter what, within the first 30 days. And yeah. uh, we save them 15 to 20 hours a week of manual entry. So just those numbers alone, I mean, if you look at that and say, well, this is a flick of a button and all of a sudden all this works. So that's really what we do, yeah. and that's our monetization model. You're the consummate example of when I hear people say, oh, I, I'm not a big technology person. It's like, oh, you're a big waste of time person? Because it's <laughs> your alternative. Your alternative is 500 bucks to basically carve out the equivalent of 16 to $32 per invoice. Multiply that by God knows how many invoices. Oh, my. Yeah, that's just that's just insane. Okay, so let's take, take me through the entire experience, right? Okay, so I have, I have an invoice that basically is generated in my in my AP, in my accounting software, what happens next? Sure. So let's just say you own Jason's t-shirts and you're a wholesaler, just to make it, you know. So Jason's t-shirts, <laughs> Jason's t-shirts, a wholesaler, and you have all of these retailers that you're sending t-shirts to. You go into QuickBooks, you create that invoice like you normally would and say, hey, um, Grima's t-shirt retailer bought a hundred of them. You put in the inventory amount, you put in all that, just like you always would in QuickBooks. The moment that you hit save, we take over. So we send out that invoice for you via email as well as paper mail if you'd like us to. We also send out reminders based upon your custom cadence and your branding. So if you want us to send a reminder every five days, because let's say I'm just a terrible payer and I'm horrible at it, so you can have threatening messages come out. Let's say you have some people who are amazing and you don't want to piss them off by sending them too many reminders, you can change that. So you can send out thousands of reminders. You can send out five reminders, whatever. You can turn on features like late fees or processing fees for specific customers to ensure that they'll pay. And that's then never when, really well, that's never really well handled in the accounting softwares themselves for the record. Like never. Yeah, it's, it's all like, it's like, here's the flag they're late, go in and do a manual entry in most cases. And it's like, why am I, wait a minute. Shouldn't this well, be and also let's create a secondary invoice for a late fee. When someone hasn't yeah. paid the first invoice, let's see if they're going to pay another one. So yeah, yeah but everybody's going to be really eager to pay that late fee invoice on time. Cause that was definitely going to be on 30 days. <laughs> So uh, we ensure, like, so when we send that out, we'll send it out via email. So let's say I get that email, right? So I get that email from you. It has a one-click option for me to pay via credit, ACH, or debit. I can even use Apple Pay, or I can even log into a customer portal that's branded Jason's Wholesale T-shirts. I can see all of my invoices that are open. I can bulk pay. I can enter my auto payment information, whatever I'd like. And when you receive that payment, it automatically closes that invoice for you in QuickBooks and shows you exactly what day I paid, how much I paid, and all of my customer behavior associated with that. Fantastic. So tell me about uh, whatever benchmark data you have to show just how much faster people get paid than using the conventional method. Well, at a minimum, people are getting paid 15 days faster. So basically, I've got payable term, I normally get paid 30, 60 days out, I'm getting paid at a minimum 15 days faster. Now, I like to think that part of that accounts to something that's worked very well in my life, which is the nagging factor, the simple fact that you were constantly on them reminding them, you know, we all know what it's like, right? Like left their own devices, things just get pushed down the inbox, right? And unless it's top of mind, unless you have those nudges, Richard Thaler won a freaking Nobel Prize for this thing. Uh, you know, it's proof. It's proof that nagging, not nudging works. 
So that's good. So tell me about the general customer experience thus far. So what's the general feedback you're getting from most companies? And when, when you go in, what are the points of resistance you encounter initially? Sure. So our customer feedback has been fantastic. We don't even force, first of all, we do everything on a trial basis. So people get a free trial to our system and our Everybody who starts a free trial, we actually haven't had more than I think one person who didn't go go further than the free trial. We're also on a, a pretty damn good close rate. My goodness, yeah, it's a great conversion. We have um we have a less than five percent annualized attrition rate, which means that we have, we don't even have a contract, so um, people can cancel whenever they'd like, and they're not leaving because once we're part of their workflow, that's just the way that it is. The only resistance that we'll ever get is people not understanding how much we can change their workflow. And sometimes it's the person in the organization who is afraid that we're going to take over their job, especially if it's like an accounts receivable oh, man. manager. How many times have I seen this? It's like, <laughs> oh, talk to, talk to the person responsible for this about how you want to automate their job away. Like the owner says, go talk to them. But what they're really saying is go talk to them. And then it lands on that person's lap and they're just looking at you like, go away, go away. <laughs> like I, want nothing, I don't want them knowing you exist, right? Like it's, uh Exactly. So we do, we do see that sometimes. And so sometimes we're like, owners, don't you want to try to save some money? Like, and maybe you can use your AR person for something else. We're not saying to make them redundant, but look, especially in the times we're in right now, let's figure out how to streamline, make things better. And it was interesting what you were talking about before about the gentle nudging. We found that there was three factors. Like there's this thing that there's three factors to make people get paid, right? The first one is you have to send the invoice out on time, which how many times have you gotten an invoice from like, or a bill from like a doctor's office. It's like seven months later. And you're like, what doctor did I go to? Yeah, <laughs> when did I? Yeah. So you have to send it out on time. So people know what it is. The second thing is you have to remind them and remind them in the frequency and the way that they would like. So whether that's text, email, phone call, whatever method that that customer prefers, you have to remind them in that methodology. And the third thing is you have to make it easy to pay because I don't even know where a checkbook exists in my house. So when I get a bill with like a now tear that you sheet, it, neither do I. Exactly. So if I get a bill <laughs> with a tear sheet and I have to go find a checkbook and write a check and put a stamp on an envelope and send it, it's not that I don't want to pay. It's just that the idea of doing that, like it just goes kind of somewhere in a pile somewhere. And until I get that yellow or red invoice, and I'm like, oh crap, I got to somehow take care of this. So I'm more likely to pay it if I can just do a one click on Apple Pay or just put in my credit card details, or my ACH details and be done with it forever. I'm just more likely to pay. So you got to make it easy. Oh, for one to click pay on Apple Pay. There you go. That's that's next level. Better better than Stripe. Like that's for sure. Now the it's it's funny because the um, two two stories that come to mind there. One has to do with a vendor we were dealing with, and it was one of the few checks that we were actually still cutting because they insisted on it. I can't. I think it was a courier. And at one point, like we said, okay, I said to my assistant, like, tell them we want information to pay online. Otherwise, we're getting another vendor. And despite the fact that I got in like series after series email, like every month saying, no, no, we don't support online payment. We don't support online. Suddenly this form arrived to allow me to send them a direct debit. Like I was just like, (laughs) oh, so you do support it. You just didn't want to to, to bother. So the second I was ready to leave, they were ready to to make my life easy. The other one, the automation thing is kind of funny (laughs) because even that's personal experience just when we when we implemented a couple of years ago implemented an online booking system like a Calendly or a um or a schedule yeah, once yeah, yeah. my assistant who was in charge of booking appointments like i was walking her through all this and she's like did you just automate me out of a job <laughs> like and i was just like no no that giant chunk of time you were basically wasting on this stuff that was low value like if i can replace that with a software that costs less than a thousand dollars a year for all the partners 
then what in God's name am I doing having a body doing that? Let's, let's put you to work on more useful stuff because there's always more work in a business. Like there's always something else you're not spending enough time on. So, um, so yeah, so I'm sure that, uh, so th th those of you out there who are listening who maybe have this job and are worried about getting replaced by it, just realize you're more valuable than that. So how do you get around the gatekeeper who basically is worried about their job being automated? So let, let, uh, let me ask you that. What are your tactics for doing that? <laughs> you know, actually we haven't. Um, so whenever that happens, we're kind of like, dude, we're showing you where we're at. Show the owners if you'd like, don't show them. We've been fortunate at this time because we're pretty new and we have a lot of partnerships that we're working on and a lot of inbound that just comes to us. And so we have the flexibility to say, hey, we'd like you to show people this because we know it's going to save you money. And then we put them in our tickler and you know they're going to continue getting our emails and our information. It's probably going to go to the owner and the accounts receivable manager. And inevitably, they're going to call us and inevitably, they're going to have a problem that needs to be solved. I mean, I think the best example of this is we had one of our, a really large customer, they do two, $2 million a month in revenue and their average invoice is $40. They're a food- Oh God. Yes. Oh God. Oh. They're like a logistics They're So basically they're a wholesale bakery, right? And they have like this logistics software that does their routing, but they literally have truck drivers going out with a sales receipt that someone is signing. And then it's coming back to an AR department who's then taking it and scanning it into their accounting software. Then they have an admin in the front who's making a call, someone else who's making a statement sending it out on a weekly basis and someone else who's doing collections. Anyways, this customer had called us back in like February, I want to say, oh, this looks cool. Talk to my AR person. We did that. And like the AR person had a little bit of, I don't know, this seems like an issue. And then sure enough, after they started realizing what an issue they had, and we just sent them a couple ticklers and said, hey, do you know that you don't really need to do all these things? Forget the fact that it's all these people's jobs and times and all the wasted time, but just it's such a headache. Imagine $2 million at $40 tickets and you have this and you have people that are not paying you. I mean, it's insane. They send out an average of, I want to say five to 10,000 invoices on our system every other day because they're well, sending the reminders and invoice. Average ticket, 40 bucks. Let's just say that they're on the efficient side of the spectrum of invoices, $16. The largest overhead they had was not even their inputs was not the, was not their overhead. It was just the AP portion, right? Even if we cut that in half, even if we get that down to sub 10 bucks, they were probably, that guy was probably spending close to 25% of his revenue in AP. Yeah. I, wow. That is the AP position from hell. So once they onboarded you and had you for a month that they just basically start sending you gifts on a weekly basis. Um, <laughs> no, cause... and we talk to them often, but they are so excited. It's so funny because even when someone in their system, because obviously if they enter something wrong, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? So even if someone in their office enters something incorrectly and they're like, oh my gosh, it's entered correctly and they're angry about it and they want us to fix it. Even then they're just so happy that we're there because it's changed their entire way of handling their business. Their entire accounts receivable department is doing other things and actually being efficient. Yeah. And now they can go out. I mean, I can't even think about, like, I think of the, the number, just, just think about what would happen when, how do you even track who's like the deadbeat and quiet? Like, how do you track the guy who's basically like so far behind? When you have that many invoices going out, can you actually sit back and go, okay, so let's look at the life, the, how far behind in payment some of these people are. Like, where do you even find that? Like, you're going to need another body just to, just to, a couple of bodies just to sort through that mess to then go back and try to bug them for collections on and who's not going to pay a $40 invoice, right? Yeah. Like that's the reality of it, right? Like, oh, well, 
here's a really funny one. Here's another example, not to just bore you with examples, but this is actually a, a funny one that None happened, these are boring. <laughs> <laughs> happened before, but we had a client, do you know, like you probably can picture this if I tell you, but like, you know, an Indian reservation, like a trailer park where you go in and you plug in to get electricity, kind of, you yeah. can kind of see the stumps yeah. out of the ground. Okay. Yeah. The little things sticking out. Right, right, right. With numbers on them and all that. So we had this guy who called us who had $800,000 of unpaid invoices at $8 invoice because it was just for people getting electricity. And the reason for that is because he didn't have a way for them to pay at the time that they were getting the electricity. So now he had, and he's like, I don't know what to do. Do I, and he was a kind of a one man shop. He's like, do I call all these people? Do I email them? Do I send them pay? Like, I don't even know what to do. We're like, you know what? You use QuickBooks. Let us just figure it out for you. And we set up the system within like the first 48 hours. I think he collected 50% of that outstanding 800 grand. And it'd been outstanding for six, seven months because it's not, like you said, people don't not want to pay an $8 invoice. They're not saying, oh my God, I'm never going to pay this. They're just, it's too hard. They forgot. They don't remember. They probably took a sheet of paper home with them when they left the trailer park and just completely forgot yeah. to pay it. And so then you look at like having to follow it. up on that postage alone, right? Like, yeah. you know, if they're still in the old fashioned way of doing things, like what's the stamp cost these days? I don't know. But like, like the amount of time, like it's probably cost a couple dollars to send that letter, right? And then you, by the time you add in all the labor and then to collect an $8 invoice, never mind what the power costs you. Like, it's just, you know, it's it's funny. Like I, I spent so much time in the tech realm thinking about like micropayments and stuff like that. And when you, you don't think about micropayments in the physical realm and just how <laughs> burdensome they are and how just wow it's it's that's nuts so i i hope you have like a one-page case study on roi on that because you know if you're charging <laughs> what did you charge them for that first month to collect four hundred thousand dollars yeah i mean it was i think we were charged well our cap is 1500 nobody gets charged more than 1500 bucks a month <laughs> <laughs> oh god let me just pull up my calculator do the math on <laughs> So yeah, it's great. But, you know, we've had people tell us like I spent more than $1,500 just trying to follow up on three invoices because my attorney had to send collections notices. 26,666% return. <laughs> it's there really exciting. <laughs> I'll take that any day of the week. Wow. In fact, at that point, I'll go buy, I'll, I'll go start buying people's uh, accounts receivable just to use your platform to collect. There's an idea. <laughs> there you go, hedge funds. There's an idea. So I'm curious. And I just, I, you know, when we were talking about all this, the thing that pops to mind is that any any thought towards like creating a company called Payer Genie that like captures your own invoices and then manages on that end? Because I feel like there's an entire other side of this equation, right? Because yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, and, and for those of you who don't like, I mean, aren't in dealing with a lot of business owners. I mean, one of the things that's very evident in, in this world these days is that a lot of companies, a lot of a lot of vendors now use their, let's be honest, they they use their their clients, they use their people downstream as credit, right? So like if I have 30 days to pay, why am I going to pay more before 30 days, right? Because that's an increase in working capital to me. So I'm just pushing this down, right? So you've, you've had this like, if anything, you've also had a, a pushing out of payment terms wherever someone gets big enough, right? It's like, well, you know, I'm like your largest client. I think I should get 60 days or you know, 90 days or whatever it is. And when you start thinking about the fact that you, if you're a vendor who basically has different payment terms all over the place, you want to pay people on the last day. You know, it's one thing to input the payment, you get the invoice, input the payment to go out automatically on that last day. But, you know, being able to actually capture all that and just have those invoices come in automatically be processed to go in while simultaneously flushing cash flow. There's a product extension for you. Well, so there are quite a few. What's interesting about accounts payable, because that's accounts payable automation, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. also accounts payable efficiency, because there is a lot to be said about 
hey, this one has 30 net 30 terms. This one does too, but this one has net 30 terms with a late fee. And this yeah. one has net 30 terms without a late fee. So guess what? I'm going to pay that one, but that one's going to go over to 45 days or 60 days, right? So there's, there's this whole idea of automation exactly. efficiency around accounts payable. We're not in that market, but because yeah. there are so many companies actually, which, so this is something I thought I was funny. I almost feel like so you should open up payments. an integration for companies that are, so they can just tie into your system right. regardless. So that's, yeah. that's actually, you know, that's on our roadmap to in the future be working with somebody. But because that's one of the awesome. things I found interesting was that coming into this space from payments, first of all, my first thought when Tom told me this is I'm like, why doesn't this, you're sure that this doesn't exist? I'm pretty sure that this exists, right? That is the number one reaction to most good ideas. Like <laughs> it seems too obvious, right? And why is no one else doing this? And usually it's this like sleepy, boring thing that's not world changing. But when you look at the magnitude of the problem, it's everybody's got this little bit of pain, right? And that little bit of pain equals one giant market, but it's not big enough for anyone to basically say like, oh my God, I've got to solve this one problem. And like 20, you know, you don't have 20 VC funded firms basically chasing the same gold nugget. Yes. And that's what we found is that there's like maybe two or three companies that we do and they all are nuanced. Some of them are for really, really high, high level enterprise. Some of them are for more just field invoicing, but we haven't really found like a competitor that does exactly what we do. And that's, that's just the way that it is. I mean, competition isn't bad usually in a free economy, yeah. right? But we haven't seen that. But in accounts payable, what's interesting is there are tons and tons and tons of companies that automate accounts payable. So that I always thought was funny because why are we more focused on paying out versus receiving the, the cash in? Yeah. I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to not quite payable. I'm going to go back to behavior finance. Endowment effect. I have cash. I don't want to let it go, right? Versus the cash I got to collect is something else. So there's a natural inborn instinct to basically hold on to what you currently have, right? Whereas the stuff that's abstract and coming in the future is less is less salient to people. So I'm willing to bet that there's a fact that that's part of the factor. But I mean, I agree with you. I mean, like you look at the proper metrics of how you manage manage billing payables and receivables, right? It's all about the cash conversion cycle. What you're trying to do is you're trying to shorten the amount of time it takes. Everybody else is trying to focus on, let's extend out and manage what's going out so you don't get into trouble, you don't pay fees, and you hold on to your cash as long as possible as a means of reducing your working capital requirement. Great. What if the other end of the spectrum, right? The cash, I think maybe too often people start doing the first piece and assume that everybody's focusing on that. So it's like, well, we'll get paid, you know, if we all work on the front end piece, this all leads to everybody else getting paid in the back end. So it'll get taken <laughs> care of, right? But as opposed to people like you coming in and saying, well, no, you can't assume that everybody's using these front end sophisticated systems, right? Because they're not. Well, and even if they are, just because someone's using a front end system, if the back end isn't taken care of and you don't actually have things like processing fees or late, managing a late fee or yeah. sending out reminders, you still can't, as much as you automate the back end, you're still not capitalizing on the front end and making sure you make the money. So Yes, you don't want your working capital to leave, but you also want more working capital to come in and you want it to come in faster because the time value of money of that dollar is the same as the time money value of money of the dollar going out. So why are we looking at these dollars as completely different entities, especially when we look at things like time value of money? Yeah, I 100% agree with you, but I think there's, I'm going to go back to endowment. I think there's a, there's a psychological effect there that people just don't look at it the same way, right? Like, yeah, we all want to collect as fast as possible, but we all, we all want to hold on to what we have. Anyway, so this is amusing uh, and, and interesting and, and something and the highest ROI in one month I've ever seen. So it's pretty fantastic. Um, <laughs> so let's let's jump dive into the last couple of questions I ask everybody to get you thinking. So the first question I have for you is if you had one wish for something you could change in your industry, in your company or in the industry as a whole, what would it be? 
I think the biggest thing I would change would be awareness. When we start talking about, like, like I said at the beginning of this call, accounts receivable automation, not only does it sound completely boring, but people don't even know what that means. So I think that we often find that in these free trial periods, it's a lot about education, just teaching people that there is a better way to do things. And I think that is because of the lack of competition, the lack of focus in this industry, that we haven't seen that widespread education of people just knowing that they have options. So I would love to change that because I think that it would really make a difference, not just for our business as a whole, which would be awesome, but also for businesses out there, for subscribers. You know, I agree with you, but I also think that there's there's a psychological barrier to entry in almost any technology. And I think it has to do in general with just, well, I won't term bad UX, but just chat, but UX that requires too much from the end user. So that sounds great. Oh my God, I got to learn another system is what I typically hear from just about anything, right? Versus no, 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 go on here. And like, it's like a three minute onboard to like connect stuff. Like, you know, there's, so basically just being able to here, we'll give you a default experience. We're gonna give you a default experience. We're gonna put the minimum amount of information and you'll be up and running in five minutes, right? You tell and that's how that. we do. And that's exactly, so that's our whole thing is you don't change a single thing. You don't change your workflow, your business process at all. You don't change your accounting software. You don't change your payment processor. You literally go on and put in your username and password for your accounting system and put in your account information for your payment processor. We integrate all of it. And then we have a anywhere from a 10 to 35 minute phone call with you to ask you questions like, hey, how often do you want to be paid? How often do you want to send reminders? What are the colors of your brand that you want us to make sure your invoices look Perfect. like? Yeah. And as soon as we're done with that, which they can do on their own if they'd like to, because they can just click through our walk me. But if they don't want to do it, they want some, one of our integration specialists, we can do that. But within yeah. 35 minutes, they're up and running and they hopefully never log back into Billergeny again. If we're doing our job yeah. right, they that never be, log into that our should be, That should be the, the, the part of your website. 35-minute call, never log in again, get paid faster. Like, honestly, because the, you know, I'll give you the, the simple corollary in my life. It's just like, first time I, I just experimented with a robo-advisor account opening experience, right? And as a financial planner and advisor, like, our opening now is easier, but back in the day, it was like, brutally painful in terms of the paper. I still remember just logging in with in the app and funding the account and being done in less than six minutes and just being like, oh my God, what just happened, right? Like I literally got from point A to point B, which was, you know, perceptually, if anyone's ever been through the account opening experience on any financial instrument ever, they know that it is a, is a disaster, right? And having shifted the experience from, from that disaster to the, oh my God, like, I can't believe how good that experience was. Like that's what should the, fo- the focus should be of every, every enterprise that's looking to service business because there's always the, the mental perception of complexity. Now imagine if we had a world where everybody's onboarding was as clean and simple as that or yours, right? Like I got to have one phone call and I don't want to touch it again. I got to do this. I don't want to touch it again. Think about the, the adoption rate of technology in general, how much better it would get. And I often think like when I see things that are quote unquote overly engineered and require me like, oh, it's great. I can change every last little thing myself. I don't want to. This is why Apple sells more. This is why Apple exists. Is I don't need to have every. I don't need to have five thousand settings to play with in the settings to, to have. Like I don't need that. Like just make it work. Anyway, moving on. Second question for you: What has been the biggest challenge in getting to where you are today with the company? I think our biggest challenge was the decoupling of the payments, and because that was a mindset shift for both Tom and myself. Coming mm-hmm. from payments, coming from payments revenue, and to say, okay, no, we're we're 
a value add and we're going to charge for that value. We actually bring value to a business and it's not going to be a commoditized system. It's not going to be just payment processing that's just a commodity that everybody has and we're kind of racing to the bottom. We're actually adding value. Not just we're adding value, we're saving them 90% no matter what we charge them. So being able to get around that and understanding for ourselves, I think that was a mental challenge for us and also a strategic challenge to say, are we sure that we're going to do this? It's kind of a big leap. But after the first, I would say, quarter, we're like, yeah, why didn't we do this sooner? It makes sense. I mean, you move from a conventional red ocean of payment processing, which has got tons of competition, to a blue ocean of an overlay of a feature that overlays it that provides value. That there's, you know, that's as blue an ocean as you can find, right? And and you eliminated the best part of it is you eliminated channel conflict at the same time, right? So now you can differentiate by saying we care who you use for payments, but we're going to make sure that that thing goes at rocketing speed, right? So and now the payment processors have every incentive to basically sell to sell your product. Yeah, it makes it more sticky for them. Like we have a lot of partners who are payment processors and they're like, dude, we love this because we're now able to go into and penetrate the B2B space, which we weren't able to get into before. And we're able to do so with a product that makes our processing more sticky. Bingo, bingo. Yeah, they don't have to know that they can get you separately. They just have to know that they came with the person they went to for for payments. Exactly. There we go. And the last question for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up every day to fight the good fight as an entrepreneur? I think just growth and the challenge in not just the industry, but in the organization and the people around us, you know, just seeing our team and seeing the people that we work with grow and adding new members and just having these highly intelligent people with these amazing discussions and seeing all of them grow and us growing along with it is probably one of the most rewarding and exciting things for me. Fantastic. Fantastic. No, that's, that's great. And uh, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. If I had a lot of AP, trust me, uh, <laughs> I'd be signing up as we speak. Be like, you say you got how much collected? Done. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so yes, uh, thank you very much for taking the time. It's really appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So that was my interview with Dreamer Shah of Biller Genie. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you are in a position where you're collecting a ton of AP, I suggest you take a really hard look at that. I mean, some of the examples we gave were pretty impressive. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.